welcome back to another episode of songwriting saves the world if you are currently listening on spotify then you can go ahead and give it a like give it a download you can follow the podcast on there if you're listening on itunes you can follow the podcast you can comment and review leave five stars yeah five stars only. if you're listening on soundcloud which a lot of you are <laughs> which is always so funny to me but go on <laughs> then you can also like and comment and follow on soundcloud Definitely keep up with everything that we're doing on social media. You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram at Songwriting Saves the World. Follow. On Twitter at Song Saves World. Follow. And like our page on Facebook at Songwriting Saves the World. <laughs> get everyone to like it. You're like waiting for me to say, get everyone to like it. Your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousin. I was waiting for that. Your grandma, your grandpa. I like it everyone. when you say that. <laughs> the dog. Please get the dog to like the page. And follow if you, it on your dog's Instagram account. Oh, facts. If you have a dog Instagram account, then follow us on there. If you really, really love the podcast and you want to support us on Patreon, at Songwriting Saves the World on Patreon, for $4 a month, you get a Songwriting Saves the World laptop sticker. Ooh. Merch, merch, merch. <laughs> They're so cute, guys. <laughs> They're so cute. And you get extra content from the guests, like song breakdowns of songs we love from each guest they explain how that song came to be and now let's get into the episode with luke maxwell luke (laughs) okay hey guys welcome back (laughs) to another episode of songwriting saves the world today we have a really special guest, Luke Maxwell Luke. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Luke is a singer, songwriter, and producer from Florida. You have two singles out, um, Alone Tonight and Out of Line, which are both bops. So awesome. thanks so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you guys very much. <laughs> we have a little icebreaker introductory game. It's called Right to Our Tank. And sure it's is. the musical version of F. Mary Kill. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be able to write with an artist, you're going to tour with one, and touring is strictly touring, so you can't write on tour. Not allowed. And the last one, you have to dunk in a water tank. You do. So your three options are Sean Mendes, Charlotte Lawrence, and Olivia O'Brien. Who's wow. getting dunked? <laughs> I don't know if you, did you guys do your homework? I like these artists. Yeah, we looked at who you follow okay. on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. That's our okay. strategy for this. Um, I would write with Charlotte Lawrence. Mm-hmm. She's cool. Yeah. Or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I take that okay, back. Okay, never mind. She's not cool. I would tour cool. with Charlotte Lawrence. <laughs> touring, touring, <laughs> touring with Charlotte Lawrence would be super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like her music. So I guess I could just hop on that train because we can't write together. Right. Um, she would sound good singing my stuff too. <laughs> and... Um, I would write with, I would write with mm-hmm. Sean Mendes. Um, the reason I would not tour with him is because we sound too similar. Like it wouldn't be a good show. <laughs> it wouldn't be variety. I was gonna say you kind of, uh, you kind of look similar too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take that. Yeah. Off. Um, and then I guess I would dunk Olivia O'Brien. I feel bad, but um, I really like her. Whatever, she really can cool. take it. I would love to work with her someday, but I feel like she's fine. Yeah, I mean, at least it's nice. It's yeah. just a water tank. It's funny. Take a dip. She'll laugh afterwards, <laughs> and you guys will become really good friends. Yeah. Like, that was so funny. 
Yes, of course. And then we'll right hand tour together. <laughs> Easy, you won the game. So can you start with like, give us a background of your musical story and how you got to where you are now? Um, so I'm actually only 18 years old. Young uh, prodigy. I'm about to turn 19 in like a Happy week. Happy birthday. Yes. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> And shout out to the September birthdays. And um, are you a Libra or Virgo? So I guess <laughs> I knew you were thinking about that, Anique. You um, said it's my birthday, and she goes, Wait, "Which <laughs> which sign is that?" Um, okay. Um, so I actually was just informed of this. I am what's called like a cusp. Yeah. So I'm like at the end Cusper. of one of them, and I'm at the start of another one. So like I'm at the end of Virgo, start of Libra. Like the start of That's of good Libra. news. Because Amazing. honestly, we don't love Virgos. <laughs> oh, you don't? Okay. Good if you're a Virgo and you're listening to this, please don't take Or do. Personal. I know you will. You're a Virgo. But like. <laughs> Libras. I love Libras. Person. My little sister's a Libra. And we like did. Oh, <laughs> me and Nick did her chart, like her like full chart with like sun, moon, rising, and everything the other day. And she's actually a triple Libra. And we found that out. I know. Wow. Yeah, Bold so you're a cusp Libra. I'm, I'm not well-versed in any I of that. I think... Um, yes, so I'll try my best to bring out all of my <laughs> Libra qualities in this Sorry interview. to cut you Good. off, but <laughs> continue with your musical journey. Of course. Um, so uh, I know it's, like, cliche. Everybody that does music in any way, shape, or form has always said, I've been singing and dancing, whatever, since I was a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But it is true. Um, but I will... Uh, say that I was not good or skilled or talented in any way until probably like my freshman year of high school. Who was, honestly? Um, <laughs> Nobody. No, yeah, I, I was in the, I was going yeah. through the thick of puberty. I mean, my voice was not going to sound good. So um, that's sort of when I started to get serious about music. And that's um, when I wrote, uh, recorded and released my mm-hmm. very first song. Um, it, it was called I Won't Let Go. Um, and it was for a fundraising campaign um, for a cause that's very uh, near and dear to my heart. It's a close friend of mine uh, who battled a terminal mm. illness, very uh, rare disease, underfunded disease. Uh, there's no concrete cure, very promising research. Um, so mm-hmm. that song was sort of centered around the fundraising campaign that we had planned. It was called I Won't Let Go. And um, that was sort of where my I'd always like loved music I was always passionate about it um but I never really found like a yeah a purpose for like why am I doing this I know that I love it but yeah why am I pursuing this mm-hmm. um and when I wrote that first song um that's sort of when like the passion that purpose Aww. um and and yeah and so that's sort of what snowballed into me just like throwing myself into the studio and Mm-hmm. writing as many songs as I could. I mean, like, I probably remember those first, like, five songs that I wrote. I'll <laughs> play them as a joke now, but never again. But, we can um, all relate to such a thing. <laughs> those, yeah, those first, like, five after. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they uh, uh, they sort of, they, yeah, get inspired me to just keep doing it. And I got a good mm-hmm. response from my family, and then I got a good response from friends. Mm-hmm. And then you know, in performances, good response from strangers from, like, my original work, and that's when I really started to focus on that. So senior mm-hmm. year comes around. That's when I'm gearing up to 
release um, my first single, which mm-hmm. was Alone Tonight, and I released that in December of 2019. Great song. Total and bop. Then, um, <laughs> Agreed. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and I say this, it's like, there's like a high you get from like releasing your first song, even if like nobody's gonna listen and you're not signed to a label Mm -hmm. you're completely independent there's just this high so i like right after went right back into the studio with the song i'd already written out of line and um finished that up in january and released it in february um Mm -hmm. and that's sort of as far as the public knows my music journey um has been for the past like four and a half years and um as far as like behind the scenes stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it's just been programs, right, right, camps. Yeah, I mean, Sasha knows we attended <laughs> a camp together. Um, studio work, um, writing, collaborating, just like sort of prodding and poking. Yeah, at every opportunity I, I could. How find. did you? Um, how did you like end up at Grammy camp? Like, what was your like? Like, how'd you get yeah, there? Yeah, so I actually, I think it was like the. The 2016 <laughs> Grammys, uh-huh. um, Marin Morris. Oh, she went to, I remember for, she went to Grammy camp, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, did she win for Best New Artist or something? Something like that. And um, she shouted out Grammy camp. She was like, I remember being, whatever, 16, going to right, right. Grammy camp, um, like, just going. like dreaming of this one day. <laughs> um, and that's when, that's when like the idea was planted. And then a year or two later, um, I had July was wide open right. in my summer, so I just thought, why not why go? Not? Um, and so I applied to the songwriting program. Yeah. And then next thing I knew, I was in LA for the first time. Actually, that was my first time. Me too. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Grammy Camp is cool. Uh, I would recommend it to any little budding songwriters yeah, out there. Grammy Camp <laughs> was a gr- yeah. It was a <laughs> it was a great opportunity. Um, like it. It wasn't what I expected it to be. Oh, same. Not at all. I didn't actually know what but I expected, but it was. It surprised me. It like <laughs> it ex- yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It exceeded my it exceeded my expectations yeah. and also like flipped my expectations upside down because it was like nothing what I expected mm-hmm. it to be. But overall, great experience. Any young high school songwriters Any listening, kiddos, definitely do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I know nothing about it, but they seem to love it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so on this podcast, we talk a lot about a songwriter's toolbox, which is basically just like little things that you've picked up from collaborating and like co-writing sessions that you have started to put into your practice Mm -hmm. of writing. What are some things that are in your songwriting toolbox? Yeah, I know it's a little cheesy, but like, Uh, I feel like it's real. (laughs) I like it. No, I like it. It's a good, it's a good question. That's why I repeat it. Like like reiterate. Think, um, exactly. <laughs> I would say number one biggest tool in my toolbox is um, books mm. and reading. Um, and Good I one. and I don't use the tool <laughs> enough too. And I think that everyone could um, use it, especially songwriters. Like to the exact as like an mm-hmm. exhaustive resource is reading mm-hmm. books. Um, like, I feel like as songwriters, we think so much, like, we need to listen to yes. our favorite albums and 
venture into the depths of Spotify and find some cool sounds and some cool lyrics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like amazing songwriters and I mean that's a beautiful exercise and it does so much for um progressing mm-hmm. and growing your ability um is listening yeah. to artists that inspire you but the thing about reading is like it always and just this is like mm-hmm. for me personally as a songwriter it always comes back to the words and it always comes mm-hmm. back um to like telling a story and that's in the music too in the instrumental you're telling a story um, but it always comes back to telling a story yeah. in some way and so <clears throat> reading how other people tell a story outside of the confines of three <laughs> minutes in a song and actually reading through a whole book and reading the last book that I read was We Were Liars mm, by E. Lockhart. Um, and it's about, it's a really good book. It's got a crazy plot twist ending, but it's very beautifully written. Um, and it deals with, you know, family, mm-hmm. trauma, relationships, young love, heartbreak, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but just hearing the way that a novelist, like a, um, a fiction writer, like t- yeah. details a story of a young relationship. Like I, I wrote an entire song just based off of cool. the words and the, the, the feelings that I got from yeah. just reading that book. And so um, taking in the language of other writers and that's not just songwriting. Yeah. That's probably the I'm so one. glad that you said that um, because <clears throat> like I feel like we've talked about this before like songwriters being very observant people and very like yeah. Yeah, and just kind of like sponges, everything. but I feel like once you get into like oh I'm going to write a lot and I'm going to try to really make this like my whole shtick, like my whole thing, my whole life is going to be writing, it can be like hard to remember to listen. And to remember that, like, you're, like, Mm -hmm. to have ideas in a session and to, like, keep your brain, like, open and, like, simulated, you need to be taking in things around you. And, like, yeah, it's so true. Like, what was this? Oh, there was, I think I've told you this, Anique, but, like, I, like, read, we actually read together, like, The Outliers, the Malcolm Gladwell book. And there was, like, the book, like, talks a lot about how you can't like a person can't be separated from like where they're from and where they grew up like your environment that you live in that you were raised in is so part of your personality and interconnected and then like I remember like I wrote like three songs like with that idea and like with certain like lines that came from that of course yeah Yeah. there's like when you read because like we talk about writer's block as like Mm -hmm. a huge thing in songwriting but the interesting thing is, is that, like, when I have writer's block, I have, I see writer's block as, like, my brain telling me that I need to take a break. Yeah. Not my brain telling me that I'm not good at writing songs anymore. It's just, like, you need to step away and you need to take a break. And then that break is so beneficial mm-hmm. to your future songs that haven't been born yet because you're going out and you're experiencing and you're observing and you're learning and you're, like, res- absorbing. Yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing about books is that during those breaks when you have writer's block pick up a book and read a book and that's 
an entire universe yeah. that you can step into and experience without having to walk out your front door. That's those are experience points that you can draw from. Yeah, experience points. Yeah, experience points. That's one of my favorite things to say. I say it about so many different things that I've done in music. It's like that, those were experience points. Like the, I got a few points for for experience. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all about just getting as many experience points as you can. But, um, yeah, stepping into, like, an entirely new universe that another writer, because at the end of the day, all uh-huh. just writers, um, mm-hmm. has crafted and created um, can be, ex- like, it's, it's priceless. Like, the inspiration you can get. I'm literally, like, I'm literally geeking out that you're saying this because I think about this all the time and I've never heard someone say it. I literally. <laughs> I know, but it's so it. true. Our next little question is like, how do you think that your songwriting process differs when you're writing alone versus when you're writing in a co-write or with other people? Ooh, this is a great question. Um, I really prefer <clears throat> to write alone. Really, um, I feel like yeah, yeah, that's different. Um, I prefer to sort of like take my thoughts and just sort of sit down at the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say, honestly, I prefer to write alone because usually my songs, um, I, I mean, I'm very much like everybody else in the way that I say I don't necessarily have a concrete process in mm-hmm. how I write songs, but um, the most consistent process that arises when I'm writing songs is like concept, words, lyrics, down in the notes app mm-hmm. or on uh, in a notebook um and then melody and then sort of music comes um when i'm fiddling around on the piano yeah. but um mm-hmm. and so that's sort of why i gravitate towards writing alone because i have i mean i have a ton of songs that i call like 15 minuteers they were written in 15 <laughs> minutes um but the process that i usually gravitate towards is kind of like over a week where like the idea mm-hmm. is processed and sort of compressed and then packaged and then tied with a nice neat little bow mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at the end. Um, as far as being in sessions though with other musicians, other writers, producers, that is an entirely different animal, a whole new energy um, to take on. Uh, it's still equally as rewarding and some of the favorite songs mm-hmm. that I've ever um been a part of the writing process on um, have come out of those group sessions or those co-writes um, and mm-hmm. so I definitely wouldn't um, knock that yeah by saying I prefer to write alone I just think that some of my uh, most authentic work comes from writing alone that's sort of obvious yeah to say. Um, <clears throat> but mm. it's true um, but some of my most favorite work comes from writing in group sessions so I think it's it's really about um as like a songwriter moving about the industry and being in these sessions but also simultaneously writing on on your own it's just mm-hmm. about like being able to adapt and being able to be agile in these situations i think that's ab- absolutely true like being adaptive and agile because even if like we could ask like oh how's it different writing alone versus writing with other people but then when you're writing with other people you're writing with different people every time different personalities different communication styles so I feel like like that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned like from co-writing is just to kind of like 
don't like rush in being like, oh, I have an idea and it has to be this way. And like, because sometimes like anxiety in a co-write can make you do that, can make you like want to just like start immediately. But you have to kind of like sink into it and be like, okay, who's in this room? And like, how do like our personalities mix? And what's what are we going to get from that that's like unique to this situation? And just like being able to kind of mold yourself to the room is like the most important thing yeah that ties into the finding yeah. your role in a session like knowing what your role mm. is going to be with that group of yeah, people that's always different it's just, like remember uh julia michaels on spotify for artists yeah yeah i saw that many like, little interview <laughs> i think i think yeah. sasha you and i talked about it when we did like when we did a little writing session a few weeks oh back, yeah we might have talked about like it like a virtual writing session but it, we were talking about um going in to a session or she was talking about going into a session and um like in the earlier stages when she would go mm-hmm. into these first sessions she used to think that she would have to have like an idea yeah, yeah, prepared yeah. or something to do or an, a story or an idea or a melody or a hook mm-hmm. already written um mm-hmm. but she would find that like the process would be stalled so much more when she already had like preconceived notions about how the yep. was going to go in the first place so just mm-hmm. sort of like being honestly this is the biggest thing when you're going into a session writing with other it's just being confident in yeah your like don't walk, <laughs> in, don't walk in thinking <laughs> don't walk in thinking that you need to prove yourself in yeah. any way to the people in your room i've been i've been in sessions before where everyone's going the momentum's crazy and like i didn't get a mm-hmm. word in and like i'm i'm i wasn't really a part of that song it happens, but that's okay yeah. that just like wasn't my yeah that just wasn't i wasn't really supposed yeah, you're to creating the vibes exactly <laughs> i was there for the vibes i was there for the head yeah, yeah. nods i was there for the oh yeah that mm-hmm. sounds great and you know i'll get a credit on the i'll get a credit on the <laughs> you're like sick like, um, easiest session ever <laughs> um, but yeah it's just about <laughs> exactly being confident in your ability um when you're in a when you're in a room or you're in a group and just like you know go for it just like spitball yeah. ideas you know no everyone's yeah. everyone's gonna have a million bad ideas in a span of 30 minutes in a songwriting session and yeah then just all that matters is that one good idea. i feel like it's so funny because I, I say sometimes that i feel like songwriting being like so much of a part of like my daily life i feel like makes me a much more relaxed person like the kind of like go with the flow person that i want to be like it so encourages that because there's no way to have a session every day if you are not go with the flow because like the whole like like philosophy of songwriting is that you just have to show up and like give whatever you have figure it out in that and just figure it out exactly and so it like it like forces like you to be that way which i think is really cool and obviously sometimes i can't be and it's like stressful but most of the time i can't of course yeah your cover art for your single you're doing a little instagram stalking and it looks so aesthetically pleasing like the visuals yeah great visuals so how what was the process of like figuring out what you wanted your brand to be like and how to market yourself this is this is a great question (laughs) i said that to every question they're all great questions um this is especially funny because First of all, thank you very much. <laughs> but also, I really regret the cover no! for my first two singles. Uh, I just think that they could have... I just It's sort of like when you have an argument and then, you know, 
in the shower that night, you think of like something way cooler mm-hmm. you could have said. Listen, um, I like them. That's what I felt <laughs> after. No, I don't. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're bad. I just think that they could have been better. But that's interesting that you like sort of tied it into branding yourself mm-hmm. and marketing yourself is because um, now way more than those first two singles I'm focusing mm-hmm. on that and these um, projects that I'm working on now um, I'm you know in the studio working mm-hmm. on new music and then I was much less so while I was working on the music um, last year thinking about um, like what the cover right. and what the you know additive things that come with releasing a song would look like yeah what they would be and I'm much more um in tune and thinking about those things um in the music mm-hmm. that I'm working on now um and it's interesting because it's really actually helping mm-hmm. the process because I'm sort of creating like a little yeah universe of like that surrounds mm-hmm. myself in my head while I'm working on this music um and I think that um, will bleed through in whatever cover art ends up mm-hmm. on these future projects. Um, but as far as like those two, the things <laughs> that I do like about them is that they are simple, and this is sort of my tips, I guess. Um, they're simple. It's my face. I'm an independent, like n- brand new on the scene mm-hmm. artist, so it's important to include, you know, mm-hmm. what you look like, you know. Dua Lipa, yeah, yeah, Charlie yeah. Puth can get away a with picture. just yeah. like coming out with the yeah. black square people, as their like, cover people art. People want to see your face is what I've learned from Instagram. <laughs> Every yeah. time I post something, I'm like, this is so cool and like right. artsy. It gets like 40 likes and then I post myself. Yes, that is the... I know, it's so frustrating. analogy. I'm like, I work so hard on this picture. It's the same, it's the same way, yeah. So, um, well, my advice there would be just copy and paste your face over whatever right. really cool image, and Done. then you've got the best yeah. of both worlds. But, um, yeah, so definitely being able to see your face, you know, put a face to the name and to the song. Um, when you're in those early stages, like, creating that, like, 360 model of just, like, this is who I am, this is what I, like, made mm-hmm. and produced, this is my artist page, and then you sort of get the rundown about mm-hmm. who I am. Um, and so that's, I definitely liked those elements of those first two, um, cover arts, but as far as marketing and bringing myself going forward, I'm, you know, putting things into play that will give you like the audience and the listeners much more of a sense of who I am and like sort of go Mm -hmm. deeper. Um, a lot of the stuff with my first two singles was very Mm -hmm. surface level, um, and rightfully so, I kind of had no idea what I was you doing. Live and you live. <laughs> exactly, experience points. Um, and so, with those first two, I definitely would have done some things differently. But I think that they very much mm-hmm. served the purpose of like first yeah. trials. Because um, yeah, as far as now, moving into sort of like a new chapter. It's so strange because like when. Like, when I feel like when anyone is, like, just making music at the beginning, you're like, I just want to focus on the music and be all about this. But then you're like, shit, like, my, like, cover art and my, like, social media and the ads I use to promote this, like, they're so kind of frustratingly important. Yes, you have to think about it all. Like, like, like 
like I said, like it's a 360 model. Like it is like you are creating mm -hmm. a small universe yeah. that like surrounds you and it is weird. It's something I feel like most people don't think about until you're actually putting out music and you're like, oh shit, like there's so much more I have yeah. to do than just write this song and get it produced and put it out. Right. Of course. And that's like sort of what I was saying with like the first two singles, like I sort of just put them out, but like mm -hmm. I'm glad that I have those out now because now I'm sort of in a position where I can take mm -hmm. longer to think about what mm -hmm. I want to do and how I want to go about branding and you know I'm not losing the attention span of the people that are like true fans that really want to come back and listen to the music because um, they're still waiting on new music um, but they know new music yeah. is coming yeah that makes music sense has already been put out you've done like sessions and internships in like a bunch of different studios in different cities like you like mentioned like Jungle City Studios and Icon Studios in Atlanta. So like, how do you think? This is kind of a weird question, but I wanted to ask it. How do you think like the <laughs> the vibes of like a city or of a studio, but like kind of the area that you're in, like of like New York versus like Atlanta or like LA or Nashville? How do you think that affects the art that's created there, or like the scene? Like how much is like when people talk about a music scene? Do you think that like affects like how people write or like what people yes, talk I think about the only i don't know thing um that true like overall and then i'll sort of get into the like nitty-gritty mm -hmm. of like each studio that i've sort of been in but um it's just like if you're comfortable in the studio mm -hmm. um it's just like making it a comfortable space and that doesn't have to mean like super fluffy chairs and couches it just means like <laughs> it could mean that like feeling <laughs> yeah like the best <laughs> person exactly. yeah um, like the best, yeah, the best work that I've done, um, in studio is just in my, um, hometown studio mm -hmm. in Orlando, Studio 18, Florida. Shout out Studio 18, Florida. If you're ever in Orlando for any studio needs <laughs> whatsoever, please go to Studio 18. They will take amazing care of you. Um, shameless plug over. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's, I, that's you. where the, that's where my best music is made is because that's where I'm most comfortable. Right. Um, so that's where I would say it differentiates artist to artist. Now, just superficially looking at like the mm -hmm. studios, I think like just having like a quality, nice smelling, nice smelling like, place <laughs> to walk into is really Light yes. The candles. It's all about the smell good. Smelling like smelling good is so important mm -hmm. for productivity, in my opinion. Like, I cannot work in a place that stinks. But um, that's and I really have never um, out of all the studios I've, I've been to, I haven't really ever experienced a studio um, that smells weird. One that wasn't <laughs> yes, a studio that smells weird, or a studio that um, didn't maintain you know quality. Uh, atmosphere <laughs> but yeah I think that those are definitely important elements is just like even I mean even if it's like a low budget studio mm -hmm. like you can still make Sounds it good. a quality space and a functional space and a place that smells <laughs> good and um but I do think that as far as like landscape so like in an urban landscape or a city landscape mm -hmm. um I think that it depends um, or like a rural landscape. I don't know. I've never been to a. I've never been to a studio. I before, have, dude. 
not on actually? a farm, but like there's a studio in my in my little ass really? town, and it's basically on a farm. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. So like, so yeah, so I was just gonna say, if I was there, I would be on some Taylor Swift folklore <laughs> yep. type shit, and I would just be like walking alongside the cows and sitting on like the wooden picket mm-hmm. fences and just like. You know, was doing that today. Writing music that was very <laughs> yes, that was very like centric to where I was. Um, now, like when I've never recorded at Jungle City Studios, um, but when Shucks. I was um, in Jungle City doing sort of like a, a job uh-huh. shadow, um, I'd, like the vibe there is very much um, like contemporary, mm-hmm. and it's very. Like, I would be very inspired to do probably more of my, like, up-tempo mm-hmm. songs in that mm-hmm. studio. Um, I mean, this is all just personal, but I think that some some of it's universal mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think location of the studio has effect on, like, what... What the vibe is, yeah. Pushing. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, in Jungle, I mean, just to give you, like, frame of reference, like, when I was at Jungle City Studios like in the room over was like boogie with the hoodie coming up the elevator was little uzi like it's just that's more the vibe i'm really glad you talked about jungle city studios because like i'm kind of obsessed with it that place (laughs) i love it never been but never been but kind of have this fantasy surrounding it about (laughs) but look at it's a very online it's It's on the vision it's a very cool place it's a very 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 cool place from all the time that you've spent there, what are some lessons that you've learned as far as like recording techniques for recording vocals? Things like how to give vocals energy and like how to make that translate through a recording, if you have any insight. Um, yes. So this is actually something that I struggled with, um, like my first experience in recording mm-hmm. studios. Um, I remember being so frustrated with like how my voice was mm-hmm. translating when I would come out of the booth and listen mm-hmm. on the speakers, I was, like, so frustrated. I remember talking with my, um, like, first-ever producer, Gary Williams, um, just about, like, um, like what I was doing wrong. It wasn't sounding, you know, mm-hmm. like, when I would record myself on voice memos on my phone or when mm-hmm. my mom would right. video of me. <laughs> um, and he actually gave me some uh, good tips. So this is... Gary Williams' guide to recording vocals in the studio. Awesome. Um, and Thank he you. would tell me to smile, like, mm-hmm. while I was huh. singing the words. So if, if I wanted, like, <laughs> the attitude to be um, more, like, up, I mm-hmm. would, like, because you can sort of tell. So I'm not smiling right now while I'm talking. <laughs> For the listeners. listeners. And then right now I'm smiling. Actually, I'm yeah, smiling you can kind of tell. I mean, right I also can, can see you, but, you can yeah. Hear, <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, you can sort of hear like the uptick in the attitude. Um, and so when I was recording things that needed a little bit more energy, um, that, that was a technique that I used. Gary would also, um, come into the studio sometimes if I was like shaky or just like didn't have a lot of energy and he would make me (laughs) do jumping jacks. Um, that's a big thing. Exercising like before you record vocals is major yeah just relaxes like your body you know it wakes it up too mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean just like 
sort of shaking it out, jumping around when you need mm-hmm. it to be high energy. And then when it's low energy, um, sort of, it's like you have to trick yourself a little bit, at least for me, is like take myself out of, like physically take myself out of like the fact that it's a sad song or that I'm speaking about something that like requires mm-hmm. softer um, tone, mm-hmm. but um, like, mentally yeah. stay there um so that the emotion still comes through but as far as like technique you know if i'm sad and i'm um if i'm sad and mm-hmm. i'm whispering and i'm just in conversation with i'm pouring my heart out to like somebody mm-hmm. i'm not in the studio um like that's raw emotion mm-hmm. but then when i'm in the studio and i actually need to record a yeah. sad heartbreak song i can't I can't just like sit there and speak as yeah yeah exactly I still have to I still have to maintain yeah it's and it was something that I had to sort of like trick myself it's like you still have to like maintain energy emotion while you're recording the low energy thing I think it's so interesting because um like I haven't recorded like in studios a whole lot like you see my mic right now I mostly have just like recorded like at my home setup but I, like, got, like, a microphone for the first time, like, one that was, like, worse than, like, this one. But, like, I got, like, a microphone when I was, like, in ninth grade, like, a freshman in high school. And mm-hmm. recently I've noticed that, like, hearing recordings of myself before that, like, kind of, like, in that year, before that year, my voice sounded so different than it does now. And, yeah, it's, like, oh, I got older and, like, my voice just matured. Well, it actually kind of sang higher than it used to, so I don't know about matured, but... <laughs> but <laughs> I think that it was because I spent like four years sitting at my desk and my microphone hearing myself sing and being like, no, I don't like that. Like sing it differently or like kind of hearing the parts of my voice that I did like and bringing them out more. And so like, I don't know a whole lot about mic technique and like vocal technique, but I do know that like hearing your like actually practicing recording yourself and just like hearing yourself on, on recordings will like, help you a lot as far as like knowing kind of how to express out of mic 100 percent. i was gonna say too like i could sit here and say a bunch of techniques but really like the most helpful thing was like yeah just that practice like there's a lot of the sessions over and over and over again recording um and then finally like going into um like the engineering room and hearing it back on the speakers and then being able to pinpoint like it's not necessarily like super concrete there's just mm-hmm. sort of like an x factor you can tell mm-hmm. like there's like what you mm-hmm. need to make the shift in um and so just like hearing it like even if uh, it, it could also just be something as simple as like i just didn't have enough energy or i just need yeah. to enunciate that word more yeah um and so yeah just like Trial and error yeah, when recording vocals is like huge. Just and mm-hmm. don't be afraid of trial and error. That's all our questions for you today on this pod. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was an absolute honor and a pleasure to talk to both of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we're back for our it's song of the song week. Song of the week. And woman of the week. Woman of the week. <laughs> Okay, do you want to go first? Yeah. So my song of the week this week is Bullets by Passenger. Oh. Um, I've been listening to a lot of 
folky music recently. I mean, kind recently of always, but for your whole life. Okay, always, but I've been listening to Passenger a lot recently, <laughs> mm-hmm. and one of my favorite songs from him is Bullets, and it's a story that he wrote about. I think it was his friend's dad or something, and he was staying at his old house for a music festival that he was doing uh-huh. in the area. And the man used to collect bullets, and they weren't worth anything at all. But when someone broke into the house, they stole, like, the TV and, like, all the valuables, but they also stole, like, all the cases of bullets that he'd been collecting throughout the years. Weird. And when he came home and saw that his house was broken into, that's the first thing that he went to go see if it was there. Yeah. And it was gone. And so he wrote a song about it, and it's, like, a really beautiful song, and it kind of puts you in the scene because he's really great at storytelling and so that's my song of the week definitely check it out so he good. absolutely is really good at storytelling what was the song what song is it from the swimming upstream that you sent me oh today that one is from rolling stone okay well anik sent me these lyrics that were really sweet because i was sad <laughs> um yeah passenger's great my song of the week is I don't know if I've done this one. You can tell me. New Friends by Orla Gartland. You haven't. Okay. Great song, though. Yeah. So, um, New Friends by Orla has been one of my favorite songs for, like, a year now. Maybe, like, a year and a half. I've been listening to it consistently for, like, a while. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, the way that Orla tells stories is super appealing to me. Like, she creates characters and kind of, like, expresses the vibe of a situation really clearly and i feel like you can tell like how she talks and how she views mm-hmm. the world like through her lyrics like in new friends like i wrote down some of my favorite lyrics she says <laughs> she says we've been out on tour how is london town it's so stupid hot in texas now it's hard to breathe oh i'm not built to try and carry all this guilt you gave me and so I it's just that. like it's not really conversational in the way that like oh like julia michaels is conversational but mm-hmm. you can tell like her personality and how, like, she might, like, hold herself or how might she be in conversations, like, through her lyrics, I feel like, which I really mm-hmm. like. Great pick. My woman of the week this week is Chelsea Cutler. <laughs> and I actually okay. only learned about her pretty recently mm-hmm. through you and Rachel. I guess it was because you guys, like, live in the Northeast and I don't, I've never, like, I hadn't heard of her. Yeah. But I do really like her. I love her music. And she started, I think, making, like, producing and stuff, like, working on her own music in high school. Yeah. Because she had, like, studios in her school or something, which is so sick. Yeah, that's really unfair. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that would have been great. I would have had a different high school experience. There was music in my high school. But, I mean, I think that's super cool that she did that. And I really like her music, and I think she's very, very talented. And so she's my woman of the week. Totally and agreed. I definitely think you guys should check her she's, out. She's cool people. She's kind of cre- – she's cool people. She's kind of created this, like, kind of like Lennon, Stella, Chelsea Cutler. There's, like, a group of singer ladies that have kind of created this, like, modern pop – sound and like only the last like few years like chill pop yeah which Mm -hmm. is definitely really cool my woman of the week is navy who we have actually had on our podcast before she's epic so if you want to go listen to an episode with navy then definitely just scroll back a little bit in our (laughs) our (laughs) spotify and you can find that but she is an incredibly talented like new zealand pop star she just released an ep a new EP called The Final Pieces EP. Her voice is, like, crisp, and it feels like cold water to me. I don't know if that's a weird description of a voice, but, like, 
we talked about on the episode with her that she used to do like opera mm-hmm. so her voice is like technically really really good and also really beautiful and um the narratives in her songs are just really sensitive like she writes in a way that's not like just it's an emotional way but it's like the type of emotional that's like an observant way and we were talking about this mm-hmm. in this episode with luke right um we were because i feel like if you're paying attention like close attention to your world and your relationships then you're gonna like come up with commentary and descriptions that are more vivid and that's definitely true of maybe's songs i have lyrics again i really prepared this week (laughs) i don't know if you could tell (laughs) i love lyric snippets but i tend to just end up saying the whole song i know because i like can't pick i mean this is kind of a long lyric snippet these are lyrics from a song off of her new ep called i learned to lose a friend so young and it goes i'm the kind of person that just wants to know how i can help taking on the blame when i was sitting by the hospital bed till i held your hand and waited for you to wake up and the words haven't been invented to describe the way i felt when i left and i just feel like that's a great example of explaining an emotion in a really observant way because yeah. everyone's like I don't know exactly what she was talking about like if someone like someone was sick if she lost somebody but like loads of people have felt that and expressed that in songs but she did it in kind of a new interesting way thank you guys so much thank for listening you. <laughs> see you next Mwah. week Mwah. see you next week Mwah. even in the dark I see your face